Caleb and Phil Football Podcast. Where two buddies from college will preview and preview Penn State football and the big college games. Okay, it's time for kickoff. Hello and welcome to the Caleb and Phil Football Podcast. My name is Caleb. I'll be one of your co-hosts today. Phil, how are we doing? Uh, so far, we're doing well. We uh, we abandoned our old podcast host, which continued to drop, and we're trying a new one today. And uh, mm-hmm. so far, no technical difficulties. We're a whole 45 seconds in, and there's no problem. <laughs> yeah, hopefully this one works better for us, uh, and then you can uh, get better quality podcasts from us, because that's there what we go. aim to do. There you go. Well, uh, Caleb, before I forget, you know, Didn't get to share this on the pod last week, but congratulations on becoming a father of two with your second daughter being born. Very exciting. Yes, thank you. And I don't know, it's crazy. It's been over a week since she's been born. It's been going pretty well, I think. Um, I think she sleeps pretty good, but obviously that's Becca's the one that's up a few more times in the night than I am for obvious reasons. But, you know, she... She's born a little early, so it seems like all she does is sleep and eat. But uh, I guess that's the life of a, a newborn baby. So it's good to have her, though. I mean, as a 30-year-old man, I wouldn't mind that being my life. So mm-hmm. I envy. Uh, well, hey, Kill, let's go ahead and, and jump into the show. We got a lot of news and some games to cover. And so we're going to start things off by talking about Auburn. Auburn transfer quarterback Zach Calzada is undergoing season-ending shoulder surgery. He has not played a down for them yet, and it looks like he won't this season. He's a junior, so he still has some eligibility. But um, nevertheless, I think it's safe to say a lot of us had some higher expectations for him at Auburn, and hopefully this shoulder surgery will get him the support he needs. Yeah, when we played Auburn a couple weeks ago, they were kind of talking about all the quarterbacks since they were all struggling. TJ Finley, right. Robbie Ashford, they were all struggling. They The announcers were kind of like, we'll see if we get Calzada a chance as well. But he never played, if I'm remembering that correctly, and now Correct. he won't be playing all season. Yeah, uh, the biggest bit of news, though, is probably Wisconsin. Wisconsin fired their head coach, Paul Christ, and named mm-hmm. defensive coordinator Jim Leonard as the interim head coach. Yep. Christ was 67 and 26 at Wisconsin, started the season two and three. Uh, even with the slow start, Caleb, I'm surprised that they abandoned Chris so quickly with with his historic success with the program. Yeah, I am surprised as well. Um, yeah, they just because they seem even though it's a tough start here for Wisconsin. They still have their formula. Um, they didn't run the ball very well this week. So maybe that was kind of like the end of it there. They're like, maybe we don't have Jonathan Taylor anymore. We don't have Melvin Gordon anymore. So now we're not running the ball as well, even though Braylon Allen's supposed to be the next great running back. But um, yeah, Jim Leonard, the defensive coordinator is going to take over as the interim head coach. And I assume he will be named the head coach as, unless they go like two and 10 for the season and don't win another game. I'm guessing Jim Leonard will get this job. So that's why I didn't really put any other options from outside of Wisconsin as the, for candidates for this job. Yeah. He definitely seems like the next man up. I know Wisconsin fans are, are a fan of his, and so uh, this is this is his shot, and you know, wish him as much luck as I wish any Big Ten rival. I guess mm-hmm. Colorado fired their head coach Carl Dorrell. Uh, 
Colorado right now, one of only two winless teams in college football. And so then the question is, who's going to replace him? Heard a lot of names. Bronco Mendenhall, Kalani Sataki out of BYU, Ricky Ronnie from Old Dominion, Troy Calhoun out of Air Force. I'll tell you what, Calhoun out of Air Force is a name I keep hearing for a lot of vacancies. There's a lot of programs that really want to get him in their building. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ricky Ronnie is apparently a native of Colorado, so that's why he's kind of maybe wow. an under-the-radar selection there. I'm not sure if Sataki would leave as BYU is going to join the Big 12 here shortly, so I doubt he would take that job unless right. he really likes Colorado over BYU for whatever reason. And then Mendenhall, I don't think he has a job right now, so he could. I would feel like he may be the front-runner if he wants to get back into coaching. Yeah. Just fun fact real quick. Do you know who the other winless team is? <sighs> I did at one point. And then uh, I forgot in-state team, Colorado State. Colorado Bad State. year for the football okay. in Colorado. I didn't know then. I was thinking there was another program. Yeah, Colorado State. That they are. They are pretty awful. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, they've all. When was the last time a Colorado school was good? Was it like seven years ago? There's that stretch. Yeah, I was of reading up. The last time Colorado had back-to-back winning seasons was about 20 years ago. They had a decent season, yeah, maybe five, six, seven years ago was the yeah. last time they were had even one good season there. Yeah, which again is why I'm surprised. They're like, well, why are you firing him? He's just giving you the stuff. But mm-hmm. you know, they they want a winning culture, so good for them. Uh, we've undergone as a nation a lot of natural disasters that we've talked about, and so uh, we've underwent another one with Hurricane Ian. Certainly, our thoughts and prayers are with people. In Florida, Fort Myers area, and others that have been impacted, Hurricane Ian has left an impact on a much minor area on sports. And so in the sports world, Hurricane Ian has resulted in SMU at UCF being moved to Wednesday, and then both teams with the bye week after that. So um, gives them some fl- some flexibility in their schedule to be able to move that given the hurricane coming in. Yeah, in our recorded podcast that never got released due to technical issues last week, we talked about a few other games that got moved. I know Florida played on Sunday. Games got moved up and earlier, later, different locations. So seems like we got one left to to deal with here for Hurricane Ian. This news was awesome to see some pictures of. Mm -hmm. Northwestern is getting a new football stadium. And I'll tell you what, Caleb, whenever they were putting it on – on the screen and they were showing it, I thought this reminds me of like a next level college football program stadium. It looks crisp, looks clean. Uh, as of right now, the plan is to tear down the old stadium after next season, build the new one and have it ready by 2026. This only happens because of Pat Fitzgerald though, right? Yeah, for sure. And one interesting thing I I think I heard is that they're going to build the stadium smaller than the current stadium, which I think is good for Northwestern. They're not yes. huge football fans. So if you get a smaller, more intimate stadium, I think you can make it a louder stadium, make it look fuller because you got a higher capacity percentage capacity there. So I think that's a good idea for Northwestern. Yeah. The new stadium, I think they said it's going to sit somewhere in the ballpark of 30,000. And mm-hmm. it, whenever they said that, I, I thought the same thing. I'm like, this is perfect. For what they need. So. Yeah, because you see all those pictures of UCLA, and it looks like they have no one Aerosmith. there, and it's partially because they're the stadium fits a hundred thousand people. So partially because they don't have that many fans right there, but part of it's because the stadium's just too big. Yeah. And then some fun news: Kansas. Man, this is this is. I guess they're the team this year. You know, they've mm-hmm. been in the perpetual like doldrums of awful mediocrity. Not this season. They are ranked for the first time 
since 2009. Yeah, wow. very, very cool to see. Yeah, since is that before Charlie Weiss? I think maybe Charlie, that, maybe Charlie Weiss ended there, got them unranked in two thousand. I think that's pre. I think that's pre Charlie Weiss. Well, what yeah. was the What was the dude before him? Uh, I can't remember. He used to coach him. I think he used to coach at Maryland. Big yeah, okay. guy. Either way, you know he. Uh, yeah. Either mm-hmm. way, Kansas is ranked now. Their offense looks explosive. Their defense looks good. Yep. And so now Illinois is the team of power five schools that has gone the longest without being ranked. And that was 2011. I think yeah. that was post juice Williams, right? I think. I think so. But Illinois, they're four and one, they're receiving votes. So yeah, another one or two, they could be ranked this year. It's good stuff indeed. So, you know, there's been a lot of uh, big news happening around the world of college football. Now we're going to go ahead and look at some games in the past and, uh, go ahead and rewind. Yes, our week five review. And it was, if you were ranked number 15 or lower, worse, you know, 15 to 25, it was not a good week for you. You had a very <laughs> good chance of losing. Started off Friday night, UCLA, which is now 5-0, and upset number 15, Michigan, 40-32. to Both starting quarterbacks had four touchdowns in this game. But Michael Penix Jr. had two interceptions that turned out to be the difference in this one as UCLA... It remains undefeated and is now ranked as well. I am so impressed by uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson. I, I don't understand why he isn't getting more hype. You know, he there have been times where I've like questioned him, but then whenever I've looked at his or like whenever I look at the team's record or some of their losses, and even then he looks good. Mm-hmm. And this year, you know, UCLA's five and zero, like you just said. I gotta think they're they're a team to contend with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Chip Kelly was on the hot seat, I think, coming into this year. He's Not definitely anymore. cooled that way off now. Yep. Um, yeah, I think it's a we we kind of wrote out the Pac-12 the first week of the season with Oregon and Utah leave, losing, but since then, Oregon's looked really good. Utah's looked better. Now we got UCLA ranked. Washington still ranked despite their first loss of the season. So maybe the Pac-12 is not quite as bad as we thought at the beginning of the season. Yeah, maybe not. Next up, so we got Mississippi State beating number 17, Texas A&M, 42-24. to uh, Another injured quarterback here, Max Johnson for Texas A&M. He left injured, but that was not the reason for the loss here. They were getting their doors kind of blown off even before that. Mm-hmm. Haynes Kane, the, the guy that got beat out by Max Johnson, he threw two interceptions in relief. And this is a theme now for Mississippi State beating a ranked Texas A&M team. I think it's the fourth time in the last five or six years they've beaten a ranked Texas A&M team. So they just seem to have their number. Yeah. How long until Jimbo gets fired at this point? Like this, this is. Yeah. I mean, he kind of can't because he's got so much guaranteed money, but who knows if they have all this money for nil. So maybe they can use this money to fire Jimbo Fisher instead. Exactly. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, Will Rogers had a good game here for Mississippi state. seems like he has definitely a couple of these. Remember, wasn't it like that first game that Mike Leach was there? Will Rogers threw for like 500 yards and seven touchdowns, something crazy like yeah, that. It was and some we ridiculous thought, number. And we then, thought Mississippi state and Mike Leach were going to run over the sec and they go eight and four every year, but still mm-hmm. pretty good, better than what they had been, but not quite the, the offensive onslaught we thought, but still yeah. they, they dial it up from time to time. I will give credit to Will Rogers. I was speaking of him too because i feel like every season and every game that he has been under mike leach you see that growth and you're seeing more consistency out of him you know i'm not saying that he's like like a gardner Minshew or something but he is he's a good quarterback 
for Leach's offense, which I didn't anticipate. Yep. Another quarterback injury for the next game as TCU blows out number 18, Oklahoma, 55-24. But again, it didn't really matter. TCU was blowing the doors off Oklahoma before Dylan Gabriel got injured. Max Duggan for TCU had five touchdowns in this one. A long touchdown run to go with another rushing touchdown and then three passing touchdowns. And yeah, this is a pretty brutal stretch here for Brenton Venables in his first season at Oklahoma. Yeah, and frustrating for Oklahoma to lose their starting quarterback on an insanely dirty hit. You know, he, yep. he's sliding and a TCU player targets him. And like those are the sort of plays why targeting is there for Definitely. a clear and obvious hit like that. And so, you know, hopefully Dylan Gabriel recovers well, recovers quickly, and can get back to doing what, what he seems to be enjoying, in, and that's playing football. Yeah, for sure, 100%. But again, TCU, now they're undefeated and ranked, so mm-hmm. good start for Sunny Dykes era at TCU. Uh, the late one of these late night games, Georgia Tech in their first game under their new head coach Brent Key, they beat number 24 Pitt 26 21, and it was not really that close. Uh, Pitt led right at halftime, they scored a touchdown to go ahead, but then Georgia Tech pretty much took over in the third quarter. And they had three turnovers, did Pitt in this game, an interception, and two fumbles by their starting running back. So, turnovers doomed Pitt in this one. Remember whenever people were talking about how good Pitt was going to be this year, even with the loss of like Addison and Kenny Pickett? Do you remember that? Yeah, Pitt was supposed to be good. Um, this one guy who uh, votes in the AP poll, he puts out his like reasoning for why he votes each guy for each team each week. And last week, Pitt, obviously number 24, he didn't rank Pitt. One of, um, I'm sure many play- people who didn't rank Pitt when you're number 24, not everyone ranks you. Right. And everyone in the comments was like, oh, why don't you have Pitt higher? Why don't you have Pitt higher? They only have one loss this season. They're, they're so good. Here. You're a Penn State bias. How is Penn State all the way up at nine? And they're better and picked all the way down at 24. And then they get blown out by Georgia tech who hasn't done anything this season. So they're much quieter this week in the, in the comments section. Shocking. Yep. Next game here. Top 25 battle. Number two, Alabama against number 20, Arkansas. And the theme of the week, another quarterback gets injured. Alabama loses their quarterback, Bryce Young, but it doesn't matter because they have a quarterback machine at this point. <laughs> Jalen Milrow comes in, scores a couple of touchdowns. He seems to be able to run all over the place. Um, Alabama was leading 28-0, and that was partially Bryce Young getting him out to that lead, partially Jalen Milrow. Then Arkansas scored 23 points in a row, and you're like, oh, can Arkansas pull off the upset? Nope, too strong. Alabama wins 49-26. Coach Saban said earlier today that Bryce Young's day-to-day, which I assume is code for he's playing, I just don't want to tell you that. Um, from what I've seen from the – I mean, this is these are Twitter doctors, so you okay. never know for sure. It sounds like I think he's going to miss a couple weeks, so I don't think he's going to be playing this week. But Well, and that's I, what I thought. Too, whenever they had first announced his injury, they made it sound like that. Mm-hmm. And then whenever I hear – like anytime I hear day-to-day from a coach, I just – and maybe it's just from my time listening to the Around the NFL podcast – they always talk about how coaches will say that for a competitive edge whenever they plan on playing them. I think the smart move is like, like you were saying too, they're a quarterback machine. They have no rope, just start them. Mm-hmm. What's what's the harm going to be? 
Yeah, they play Texas A&M this week. I know they lost to Texas A&M last year, but a Texas A&M is not as good this year. They they should be able to win with Jalen Milrow. Yeah, zero. If they lose to Texas A&M this year, they don't deserve to be ranked. Yep. Prime time game, top ten matchup, number five Clemson against number ten NC State, and Clemson gets their revenge from losing last year. They went thirty to twenty, and DJ Uyunglele maybe he finally is taking that step. He had three touchdowns mm-hmm. in this one, a couple of rushing touchdowns. And on the other side, it's been a total underwhelming season, I think, from Devin Leary for NC State. He was supposed to, you know, kind of pop into that third, fourth best quarterback for college football for the NFL draft. And I don't think he's quite been there this year. And I know NC State, it's only their first loss of the season, but they should have probably lost the opening week against East Carolina. Then they played a couple of underwhelming opponents, and then they played their best opponent so far this year. And not... 10-point loss to Clemson. Clemson kind of controlled most of that game. Yeah, I mean, there were definitely some passes from Leary that that showed why there are some scouts that think he has the talent. He threw some nice dime passes where receivers just weren't coming down with him, thinking of one that he threw deep. I think it was the back corner of the end zone and uh, just didn't get done. DJ Uyunglele right now, according to Sports Reference, he is registering a 152.6 quarterback rating. That's a career high so far in college. And I'll I'll tell you what, we've been hard on Clemson on the show. Yep. We've been wondering why they've been rated so high because of what we saw out of DJ last year. It is very clear that he has done a lot of growth from last season to this season. And I get the hype. You know, uh, mm-hmm. I am I am rejoining, I think, the Clemson bandwagon of being an elite program. Yeah, and Clemson has another five-star ready to take over. Mm-hmm. They And Dabo Sweeney has done this before. When uh, Trevor Lawrence first started playing, he was not the starter the first couple of weeks of the season. And um, Trevor Lawrence then took over and led him to the national championship. So Dabo can make in-season quarterback changes, but Uwe Ungele has proven that he deserves to be the starter for now. Yeah. Did you watch the game day story for this week? Uh, I did not. About one of the players' uh, sisters who just passed away. Recently okay. from brain cancer. Hmm. It's very sad. It's a, it's a local story, too. I mean, the family's okay. from Damascus, Maryland. Mm-hmm. So um, Ella Strong is, is why they, you know, is why they wear the shirts and stuff and pulls it. Yeah, I have to check that out. Yeah, it's worth it. It's really good. Yep. Our next top 25 matchup in the SEC, number 14, Ole Miss beats number seven, Kentucky, 22 to 19. And Kentucky fumbled this away. They fumbled on their final three drives of the game. They made, On the last drive of the game, they had a huge pass play to get inside to the red zone. And then next play, Will Levis goes back, gets strip sacked, loses the fumble, and Ole Miss kneels it out for the upset victory. Yeah, what a game. This is uh this was a tight one, hard fought, and if you're Will Levis, you gotta hold on to that pass. Mm-hmm. But like at the very least could have gotten the tie, but not in this case. Would have been a, this would have been a good game to see in overtime, I think. Both offenses were clicking there toward the end. They were aggressive, they were they were playing to win the ball game. You know, there are some times where uh, looks like teams, whenever they get toward the end, they're like, All right, let's just play for overtime, but Mm-hmm. Kentucky was like, no, it's in this game right here, right now. I loved it. Yep. Number nine, Oklahoma State beats number 16, Baylor, 36-25. Spencer Sanders led the team in passing, no surprise, as the quarterback, but he also led the team in rushing in this game, so proved he was a dual-threat quarterback and a very important win for Oklahoma State. 
Yeah, I love Spencer Sanders. He's he's a good quarterback right now. He has a career high in in college, at least percentage of uh, completion at sixty six percent. He's thrown eleven touchdowns versus only two interceptions, and so he looks really good. Uh, this is the best he has looked. He, I thought he looked great during that COVID season, and uh, he looks even better now. Yeah, Oklahoma State, they're always sneaky. You know, Oklahoma and Texas always get the preseason hype because there's the two schools. Kansas is getting all the hype now because they're finally ranked. But Oklahoma is there now, highest-ranked Big 12 team, undefeated. And I'm guessing they'll probably win 10, 11 games by the end of the year as they have for most of the past five, six, seven years. Probably. Our final top 25 matchup, number 22, Wake Forest beats number 23, Florida State, 31-21. to 21. Jordan Travis for Florida State seemed to uh, maybe outplay Sam Hartman. Three touchdown passes to compared to Hartman's only two, but he did have a fumble in this one. And it didn't really seem Wake Forest was pretty in control of this game for most of the time. There were a lot of good games on this weekend, so it's hard to keep track of them all. But Wake Forest responds from their loss against Clemson, and they, I think, they played Clemson a little better. So I think right now they're the second best team mm-hmm. in the ACC. Yeah, this was a good quarterback duel between Hartman and Travis, both very talented quarterbacks. And uh, in this case, you know, I I just love the Sam Hartman's back. Such a good mm-hmm. player. Cool dude. Go Deacons. Yeah, and I think Jordan Travis was injured the previous week, so it was tough for him to come back and play that this That sounds one. correct. Mm-hmm. And then we almost had our first big upset. First great awesome. monster upset of the season. Missouri was up most of this game, but they ended up losing to number one Georgia, 26-22. Georgia did not get their first lead until four minutes to go in this one. It was a field goal fest. There were nine field goals in this game, which if I saw right on Twitter, was the tied for the most in an FBS game in NCAA history. Wow. That's intense. Yep. I was you know, I was personally surprised that those that do the poll rankings – uh, actually went ahead and dropped Georgia in the rankings mm-hmm. for only barely winning. That like never happens ever since the BCS has ended. Yep. Yeah. I, as I've thought about it, I'm like, Georgia still crushed Oregon. Oregon is now back up to what, number 12 or something like that the mm-hmm. first week of the season. So I still say Georgia has the best win of the season. So I think I would still put Georgia number one slightly over Alabama and Ohio State, yeah. but I understand why people put Alabama higher. Yeah, I, I get it too. I just, I still think if you put them pound to pound, I think Georgia would would win. I like, I really like Stetson Bennett. He's very talented, and you know what you're getting out of the Georgia line. Their mm-hmm. trenches are just disgusting with yep. how dominant they are. Yeah, I do think Georgia's defense not as good this year. They let up quite a few big plays to Missouri. Missouri just wasn't able to capitalize in the red zone every time. Yeah. Yep. All right, moving on to the Big Ten. This is how many upsets there were. We put the one of the upsets in the Big Ten review as Purdue beat number 21, Minnesota, 20-10. to 10. And this was, if you watch the Penn State game, this was the, as, as just as sloppy, but uh, in the window before that. O'Connell, two interceptions. Tanner Morgan, three interceptions. But uh, Mo Ibrahim did not play for Minnesota in this one. And as we saw last year, without Mohamed Ibrahim, Minnesota, not as good. Yeah, I mean, the difference would be, though, that at least last year, whenever Minnesota ran the football a lot, they still had a lot of productivity. But as you can see with with 10 points, they still had a hard time getting the ball in the end zone for them. And so uh, Purdue was able to pull off that win. That's a big win for Purdue after having 
I don't want to call the start of their season disappointing, but you know, I, I do think it, it's fair to say that they probably had higher expectations for themselves. Uh, this is a big win. Good win for them. Yeah, for sure. Number three, Ohio State beat Rutgers 49 to 10. Rutgers was up seven, nothing. So that was an improvement for them. I think it was the first time they've led Ohio State since they've joined the Big Ten, maybe. And it was the Mayan Williams show. He had five rushing touchdowns in this one. And Travion Henderson got all the hype in the preseason, but Mayan Williams has been the better running back for Ohio State this year. Yeah, now, so Travion Henderson didn't really play, or didn't play, period. Was Smith and Jigba out of this game, too? Um, Yeah, I don't think he played. I didn't, I didn't think he did either. So, I'm not like... I'm going to say concerned, and that's not the right word because, like, we all know what Ohio State is. They're a dominant football team. But I'm concerned with the number of their, like, star players that are out and not getting the reps that I think they need. But, you know, I'm also not a football coach. And so, like, they're – and they're superstar athletes, so they, they know what they're doing. But it's like, huh, it would be good to see them in there. Yep. Number four, Michigan beats Iowa 27 to 14. And just as we said last week, it was the Blake Corum show again. 29 carries this time. I think he had 30 last week. So slacking uh-huh. a little bit. 133 yards and a touchdown. Iowa was able to finally move the ball, but that's once Michigan kind of went into that prevent defense. So um yeah, big win here for Michigan. And I think we it's the same Iowa team we've seen all year. Yeah. Until there's a change at offensive coordinator, and, and honestly, a change at quarterback, I don't expect much difference for Iowa. Um, the game that got Paul Christ fired was former Wisconsin coach Brett Bielema. He returned for the first time to Wisconsin, and they beat Wisconsin. Illinois did 34-10. to Not very close. And as we saw last week, Chase Brown is a baller for Illinois. 25 carries, 129 yards, and a touchdown. And yeah, like we said, maybe Illinois is good this year. Maybe. Uh, yeah. I mean, Brett Bielmo is a good coach. I was very disappointed with the way that he left Wisconsin. And so I was mm-hmm. definitely pulling for him in this case. But uh, the Illini, they were they were fighting, some would say. And so pulled off a nice signature win with the tailback there, too. Yep. Maryland beat Michigan State 27-13, third straight loss for Michigan State. And this is not a good second year for Mel Tucker. No, but, like, I can't figure Maryland out. Like, are they good this year, Caleb? Um, But the way the Big Ten West is, they might be better than almost every team in the West, but unfortunately they play in the East, so. Yeah, because I'm just thinking, like, I, you know, I'm going to the I'm going to the Maryland game with my father-in-law, and, mm-hmm. you know, this is usually a game that, and the last time we went, that was whenever Maryland was ranked and there was all this, like, hype and, the Maryland fans were total jerks to us while I was there. Well, to me, my father-in-law is a Maryland fan. They were nice to him. And um, I'm, I'm just hoping, hoping that if this happens again, the Nittany Lions will be more hospitable to my father-in-law than Maryland was to me. But mm-hmm. I also can't tell, like, is this Maryland team legitimate? I mean, they've been playing a lot of opponents really well, which makes me think this may be my – Loxley has has gotten the program turned around. Yeah, maybe. Finally, Nebraska finally gets their get it's another win. They beat Indiana 35-21. And with that win now, every team in the West has one win in conference, one loss in conference, except Wisconsin, who's 0-2 in conference. So we said last week we thought Minnesota was definitely the best team in the West, but now maybe it's Purdue. Maybe it still is Minnesota. 
Maybe it's Illinois. Who knows? Yeah, I. Yeah, I have no idea who it is right now, but we'll find out here in the coming weeks. I guess that's why you play a whole season, huh? Yep. It's probably not right, Iowa go. or Nebraska. It's my guess. Yeah. Not Iowa, not Nebraska. Not, not them. You ready to talk Penn State? Let's get to it. It was raining. It was pouring. And, man, I wish I was snoring through this game, Caleb. It was a sloppy game. Mm-hmm. But Penn State plays played Northwestern and won 17-7. to Caleb, this was, like I said, a sloppy game. Uh, I think there were some coaching issues. I think there were a lot of player issues, too. Before we mm-hmm. dive into each position group, what are your initial reactions to the game? Yeah, it seemed like at first – Northwestern strategy was we're going to run the ball. Hopefully get a couple turnovers, which they got more than plenty of turnovers. Mm-hmm. And their, their goal was to win like three to nothing, but then they got down and then they, both teams kind of opened it up a little bit. And then we started seeing a little more scoring than we did early on in the game. Yes. Emphasis on little. And mm-hmm. like you said, you know, you made the comment that they planned on running the ball a lot and, and they did, they were, they were pounding it and they were getting lots of turnovers because we had a lot of issues with holding on to the ball. We were minus six, I think, in turnovers in this game. And a big part of that were turnovers. Thank you. Minus five or had five turnovers. A big part of that were the running backs fumbling the football. Nick Singleton had two fumbles. Katron Allen had a fumble and Lee had a fumble. So all of the running backs, all the scholarship running backs had fumbles in this game. Uh, You'll notice I didn't say Devin Ford. Devin Ford is no longer with Penn State's team. He's planning on focusing on academics, so best of luck in his studies there. Um, but one of the big issues with these fumbles too, Caleb, is that these players are trying to hold on to the ball like they're trying to get like a cool picture shot, like they're running down the sideline in Madden rather than securing the football whenever you know it's pouring down rain in a hurricane. Maybe you should hold on to it with two hands. Yep, especially once you once the first one happens right. definitely after the second one happens like after the second one like you after know you got to have even. yep two Fourth hands on that ball like we can't like and yeah like we said northwestern was fumbling the ball too they had three fumbles they only lost two of them they didn't lose all of them but so there were seven fumbles in this game like you, and as james franklin said in his press conference after weather is not an excuse if it was just one fumble for this game and you know maybe you could call that blame it on the weather maybe i'll i'm gonna be a little more forgiving than franklin and give the weather obviously a little bit of a factor for that but yeah once uh once the once you get to four five six seven fumbles between the two teams yeah yeah it's it's definitely on you at some point yeah i i would i would have been more merciful had it not or more forgiving except like so many times i mean i think at least three of these fumbles result of them one arming the ball put both hands around it me crazy. In addition to that, you know, we had Sean Clifford in there. Uh, he was 10 for 20 on the day through his second interception, almost his third on the season. And I, I, again, I know it was raining. I know the weather was a mess, but Caleb, I just, he's just so bad for what I expect out of a sixth year player. I was hoping I'm like, okay, if he's going to come back, like maybe he'll have the kind of season that Kenny Pickett had his yeah. last year at Pitt, but we're getting like another senior year of Anthony Morelli out of Sean Clifford. Yeah, and it sounds like the coaching staff was not keen and was not 
uh, gung-ho at all about putting Aller into this game. Too yeah. close of a contest, I guess. So if anyone had any hopes that after the bye week, Drew Aller would take over, I'd say those are basically 0% at this point. Yeah, um, definitely disappointing. I would, you know, you know how I feel about it. He just, <laughs> he, I, he does not exude confidence mm-hmm. in a fan base. And I don't really think in the team necessarily either. I think there's a lot of big issues with his composure in the pocket. I think that his playmaking ability is so haphazard. Like you never know what you're going to get out of him. It's, it's, it's frustrating. Like I want the ball. I want to be able to feel comfortable with a game on the line or whenever I need an important score that we can give the ball to Sean and he's going to do what he needs to do. But I don't feel that way. And honestly, I don't know how much the coaches feel that either. We had 58 runs to 20 passes. Again, that's part of the rain. It's also because like our, our quarterback position just isn't great with Sean there personally. Yeah, and you thought maybe something was going to click there right after Northwestern scored their their long touchdown pass. Clifford responded with that 40-plus yard pass to Parker Washington, if I'm remembering correctly, and then mm-hmm. drive stalls out. We only get the field goal out of it. He starts overthrowing guys by five yards, leading guys five yards too far on a, on a nice crossing route where the receiver was wide open, could have been a first down, and you're like, well, same old Sean Clifford. Yeah, and you, you, know, you just said the one play that – really started to, to frustrate me. It was a key third down and you had Parker Washington running across the middle wide open. Sean Clifford had all the time in the world to pass. And again, want to give a shout out to the line. Trout wines coaching him up well this season and he misses it. It's just like, you, you can't miss these throws and be 24 years old playing college football. Like you need to make these. So that was frustrating. Um, as a result of only 20 passes, 10 being completed, you know, not too much here. Washington led the team with four receptions. I was glad they got him involved early. Yep. Uh, I would have liked to have seen it even more, but again, they didn't really throw much. Touchdown pass to Brenton Strange, who is a monster. He mm-hmm. had a great leap into the end zone instead of over defenders. And then Harrison Wallace, after Keandre Lambert Smith went down early, um, came in for him and, you know, we had Clifford miss him on at least one easy, well, not easy, but one touchdown pass. Yeah, it seemed like there was more two tight end personnel in this one, a lot of Strange and Theo Johnson, which makes sense, especially if you're running the ball a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it definitely seems like Strange has taken it to another level this year. Good to see. Yeah. Offensive line, again, no sacks allowed, and and that's a good thing that we that we want to see more of. And so to start the season out, the line looks good, looks strong, seems like they've got their rotation in. Now as we get into uh, the three weeks of a meat grinder coming up here after the bye, let's see how they do there. Yep. Moving on to the defense. Yeah, so Tar Burton had himself a day. Yep. Beeman had himself a day. And, you know, the, the front – the, the front of the defense looked spectacular, I thought. Tarburton had the sack and fumble recovery. P.J. Mustafer had has had 14 of his 16 tackles in the last two games, so it's nice to see him uh, kicking into high gear with his production. Beeman batted down a pass to the line of scrimmage. Next play looked exactly the same with Beeman mm-hmm. smacking the ball down. Somebody said it on Twitter. I'm going to say it here, too, because it, it, it speaks so true. It felt like I was watching an, an instant replay, Caleb. Yeah. 
The first one was funny because it uh, Holinsky threw it basically right into his helmet. Beeman didn't even need to jump the first time. Yeah, and the next time got up, came down, boom. Kasai Izzard, first game of the season. Uh, and as a whole, the defensive line only allowed 31 rushing yards. That's 1.1 yard per carry. Not mad about it, Caleb. Yeah, definitely. We were we definitely complained about this defensive line early in the season. They weren't getting sacks, but I think as PJ Mustafer is getting healthier, getting back to 100, percent the defensive line has definitely improved, and it's also helped that we're getting more guys back, like Kaziah Izzard for sure. Yeah. For linebackers, we had Curtis Jacobs with a fumble recovery. Clearly, the best linebacker in the group, Abdul Carter. Uh, he had a pretty good game, minus mm-hmm. a well. Minus blowing the coverage and and messing missing some stuff, so anyway, there was a long touchdown pass against him, and uh, I don't know, Kelp. I thought outside of that, he played really well. Yeah, I think so for sure. I don't know why how you're getting juked when you're behind the play on a long touchdown pass like that. Like, just go and dive and tackle the guy. Don't be going for his juke moves when you're behind the guy. Exactly, and yeah, I mean, he was in there a lot. I saw him in the backfield a lot. Saw him in on a lot of big plays uh, or big uh, stops rather would you believe it and charlie catch your first game of the season so uh, it's good to get more guys in there uh abdul carter this is a little minor note you know with him playing in this game it is a surprise to nobody uh he will not be redshirting this season and really we've had really... quite a few guys yeah already play their fifth games yeah. of the season so like we've said before strong freshman class this year yeah. And honestly, like, unless you're, unless you're not going to go pro, like there's really no point to redshirt these guys because they're, nope. they're just going to leave after their junior year, year of college anyway, or redshirt mm-hmm. sophomore year. So exactly. Defensive backs, uh, Jair Brown, great interception. Joey Porter Jr. Looked good for the most part. Uh, Kalen King looked great. Dixon. Good. Hardy keeps yep. getting beat. I really, Daquan Hardy's a good player. I would like to see, I would like to see him play as well as I know he can be because I've we've watched him play well. Yep, for sure. Definitely going to have to pick it up. Um, you're going to see – we like Kalinske, but we're going to see better quarterbacks in the next coming weeks. Yep. Special teams, this is important. Penninger made all three kicks. It is yep. honestly nothing short of a miracle that he did this. Yeah, um, I was surprised. Even a, You definitely got to be shaking in your boots for, even for a 38-yard field goal in the rain with how Pinnegar is kicked this year. Yeah, I mean, I have, I just in general have zero confidence in him kicking. And so I said this on Twitter too. Like, I love to be proven wrong in these situations. Or I love when my expectations are exceeded, and, and they were. Barney Amore, I mean, Punt University, you know, between Blake Gillikin, Jordan Stout, front of the show, and now Barney Amore, we just have studs that position. About 50% of his punts are down inside of the 10. Yeah, this is for the whole season. Yeah. He looks so good whenever he punts. I'm like, all right. Like, I feel confident. After his first career punt at Penn State, not looking so good. He's been great. And it's crazy. The last two now have been transfers in. So they, whoever's going out there scouting these punters on different college programs, they're doing a great job. Yeah. Coaching-wise, Caleb, you know, my – my only, I have two concerns. Third down, well, and they both involve third down. On offense, we can't convert third downs. On defense, if it's like a third and four, we can stop them. If it's a third and 20, we can't. 
there's got to be something. Like, what's going on? Yeah, it's like they let down their guard a little bit. They're like, oh, third and 20, we can give up, you know, 8, 10, 12 yards and we'll be just fine. And then they're like, and then they forget to tackle or something. Field. Yeah. Yeah, so they need to they need to do some work on that. I think some in addition to having the running backs just run run the ball with two hands all week in practice, you know, make them run a mile for for each fumble, do uh do the remember the Titans stuff. Yep. Maybe have the defensive players spend time practicing open field tackling because that's usually the weakness on these third and longs are players getting the ball with a little bit of space and us having a hard time closing in on pursuit against them. Mm-hmm. These are things that are coachable and are fixable, but the coaches have to coach it and fix it. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. We were only four for 15 on third downs this week, but we were three for three on fourth down. So if you say we're seven for 15 on third downs, nearly 50% doesn't look quite as bad. Yeah. I just don't know if we're, I don't know if we're three for three on fourth downs against, you know, Michigan and Ohio yeah. state, but true. I know. I think Northwestern's going to be one of, if not the worst, school in the conference mm-hmm. this year. But which is unfortunate. I really like. I really like Pat Fitzgerald. But yep. they're getting a nice new stadium, I hear. Right. <laughs> yep. Exactly. So now we take a little rest. Uh, Penn State's going to head into their bye week, and then we go into the gauntlet of Michigan, Minnesota for the whiteout, and Ohio State. We're going to be playing at Michigan. It's going to be their maze out. Yeah. That's, this is the, is this our third road game of the year? Uh, let's see. Auburn. Yeah. And Purdue. And right? Purdue, yeah. So yeah. Auburn did an orange out. Purdue did a blackout, I think. So yep. every team's scared of us this year. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to see what Minnesota. Oh, wait, they're home. And yep. we're going to have a white out there. I uh, can't wait to see what the next team will do. Yeah, Ohio State's home, so I forget who who's on the road after the Ohio State game. Yeah, me too. I can't remember. Is it is it Maryland? It's been a long day, Caleb. You know, mm-hmm. teaching middle school in the morning and, and afternoon. Yep. <laughs> is it the Maryland game? Maryland red out maybe? No, Maryland's at home because uh, I'm going to Beaver Stadium for following. Uh, okay, yeah. So it's got to be Michigan State and Indiana. Is Indiana on the road? Maybe. Uh, that's probably it. Yeah, that would mm-hmm. make sense because we played them on the road two years ago too. I think. All yeah, right. Either way, we go into this week, into our bye week, ranked number 10 in the AP and 10 in the coaches. I am stunned, Caleb. And I think what frustrated me most about Northwestern's week, I wanted Penn State to go in and dominate Northwestern and give me confidence going into the Michigan game. Mm-hmm. Because up until up until that Northwestern game, I thought with how well the team has been playing, minus the like inconsistencies of Clifford, I thought, we might be able to split the series between Michigan and Ohio state, but I don't know if I think that now, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, we have a, yeah, like we have a couple things going against us. James Franklin, if I remember correctly from years past does not do well after bye weeks, we do not do well at Michigan. And now we're coming off a really two underwhelming games. Central Michigan wasn't that impressive either. So Definitely got to kick it into high gear if we want to beat Michigan in a couple of weeks. But get rest up, get your bye week, and get two hands on the football. Yep. One more game to be bowl eligible. So little things, right? Mm-hmm. All right, let's do who you got, Caleb. Yep. Last week, not as good as the week before. You went five and four. I went six and three. So I'm up one game on you, 29 to 28 on the season. Not as good of a 
of a slate of games this week, but still fun to have picks as always. And we'll start with Western Kentucky at UTSA. UTSA is a five and a half point favorite in this one. And it's probably because they beat Western Kentucky twice last year, including the conference USA championship game. Bill, who you got? Yeah, this is a, this is a tough one. I like picking the Hilltoppers in these games, but yeah, UTSA just, they had Western Kentucky's numbers so much last season. UTSA lost some heartbreakers this season, but like they were against high quality opponents. So it pains me. But I like UTSA in this game. Caleb, who you got? I am going to take, I think Western Kentucky is going to be inspired by Bailey Zappi throwing the first rookie quarterback touchdown pass of the season. I hope for the Patriots against the Packers on Sunday. So I will take the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers. Yeah. In this game, I like I like read out of Western Kentucky. It's just last mm-hmm. the last couple games. I'm like, come on, man! Like, yeah, they better. Yep, yeah. Frustrating loss to Troy last week. Yeah. All right. Next game, we have a top twenty-five matchup. We have number eight Tennessee as a three-point road favorite at number twenty-five LSU. LSU has won five straight meetings. Caleb, who you got? Yeah, this is when um, uh, AP poll voting really frustrates me. LSU was 4-1. and one. Florida State is 4-1. and one. Florida State beat LSU, but LSU is ranked, and Florida State's not for some reason. And Florida State's losses to West, you know, Wake Forest just last week, they didn't lose to a bad team. So the good old SEC bias here. I'll take Tennessee. Phil, who you got? Yeah, uh, I like Tennessee as well. They're high-powered offense. I know that they lost one of their defensive backs, Warren Burrell, to a season-ending surgery. That's per Alex Scarborough at ESPN. But I mean, it's not the de- it's not really necessarily the defense that you watch this team for right now. It's the offense, and Hooker's got that offense clicking. So give me the Volunteers. Next game, we got another top 25 matchup. The game college game day will be at it's their first trip to Lawrence, Kansas, as they will be there for the game for number 17 TCU against number 19 Kansas. TCU is a six point favorite. Phil, who you got? Yeah, with TCU being a road favorite, it's just like that's tough because of, and, and not only are they a road favorite, they're a six point road favorite. So, like, if they were at home, they'd probably be nine, 10 point favorite in this game. Mm-hmm. But I think there's going to be some magic. Kansas is having a magical season. It's college game day's first time. Give me the Jayhawks. Caleb, who you got? Yeah, Kansas sold out for the for their Duke game a couple weeks ago. That was at home when they were two undefeated teams. Now they're getting another undefeated matchup at home. I'm sure it's going to be crazy down there in Kansas. So I think the Jayhawks will pull it out. Yeah. Up next, we have number 11, Utah, as the three-point favorite at number 18, UCLA. You- Utah has won five straight meetings. Caleb, who you got? Yeah, Utah's looked pretty good, I think, since they lost that heartbreaker to Florida. I think they're going to be really kicking themselves for that loss. But I picked against UCLA last week, picking against them again this week. Go Utes. Phil, who you got? I think this will be a good litmus test for UCLA to tell us what kind of team they actually are. Utah's got a strong defense. Their quarterback, Cam Rising, looks really good. Um, I mean, I wouldn't say he's the third best quarterback in, in this perspective class, but he's definitely a top-notch quarterback, at least collegiately. So I like the Utes as well. Next up, we got two ACC teams coming off a loss, Florida State at NC State. NC State is a three-and-a-half-point favorite. 
And they have won it two straight years against Florida State. Phil, who you got? NC State lost a heartbreaker, and I think they're going to come back and, and learn from that. Uh, I like Florida State a lot this year, but I think I think Liria will be will be clicking. I think NC State's uh, whole program is going to come in wanting to avenge a, a loss against Clemson. So I think they're going to take their vengeance out on the Gators. Caleb, who you got? Um, like I said earlier, I believe Florida State should be ranked at least over LSU. But uh, I think Jordan Travis might even be the better quarterback this year between these two quarterbacks in this matchup. But Maybe. I'll go with the home team slight slight edge there, NC State. Yeah. And the next game we got, we have the Red River Rivalry. One of the least hyped up ones probably this season, mm-hmm. this season because both teams are so bleh. Uh, except Texas could be better once their actual starting quarterback gets back. Texas is a six and a half point favorite versus Oklahoma. This is the first matchup since 1998 with both of the teams unranked specifically. Again, I think if Quinn Ewers wasn't injured in that Alabama game, Texas is a whole nother team, but the reality is he's out. So Caleb, who you got? Yeah, I believe Quinn Ewers is attempting to play this game. So mm-hmm. assuming he does, I definitely think Texas will win. Even if he doesn't, I think Texas has played better the last couple of weeks. So I will take Texas to win this one. The fact that there's a line here makes me think that at least Vegas thinks they know who's playing quarterback. I'm going to guess with being nearly a touchdown favorite, they think Ewers is going to play. Phil, who you got? Yeah, and, and that's been the whole story for keeping Ewers out these past few weeks whenever some thought he could come in like, oh, maybe – Maybe it was like, no, let's save him for Oklahoma. And so you saying that reminded me of that as well. I don't think Texas is as quarterback dependent as Oklahoma is. And so I think Texas has that advantage. And I like Texas. Next up, we got Purdue at Maryland. Maryland is a four point favorite at home. These two teams, I know Maryland hasn't been in the uh, Big Ten all that off long, but they've only played three times in their short time together in the Big Ten. Phil, who you got? This is another one of those litmus test games. I want to pick Maryland, but I think O'Connell and, are, and Purdue are clicking again, and so the craziness in me has me picking the Boilermakers. Caleb, who you got? Yeah, we, we saw Aiden O'Connell miss a game a couple weeks ago, but he came right back. They beat Minnesota. So I think as long as Aiden O'Connell is playing in this one, I got Purdue in this one for this game. Next game, if you drive about an hour south of where I live, you will hit James Madison University in Harrisonburg, Virginia. Uh, but this game is not at James Madison. It is at Arkansas State. That being said, the Dukes of James Madison are going to Arkansas State to play. JMU is 4-0 and this season. It is their first season at the FBS level, and they're certainly hitting it hard. Caleb, who you got? Yeah, I figured since not, we're not quite as many big matchups this week, we'd, we'd pick the a couple of the undefeated teams that aren't ranked. James Madison, we got Coastal Carolina next, both in the Sun Belt, both undefeated this year. Pretty cool for James Madison to come right up, go 4 now. I know that they haven't played anyone spectacular yet, although they did beat Appalachian State, I'm pretty yeah. sure. So that's a big win there. Unfortunately, they are not bowl eligible, so if they they cannot even play in their in their conference championship game, which is kind of a dumb rule. If you're moving up in a level, 
why are teams scared of you from you know participating in a conference championship game the first year of eligibility that seems a little messed up if you're going down a level i could understand but going up in a level i feel like you should all right yeah but anyways i'll take james madison in this one get to five and oh and they play coastal carolina the last week of the season pretty cool if they're both oh. those teams are you know 10 11 wins going into that matchup yeah and you know in this game i have a lot of people that I know, obviously, living in Virginia that are JMU alums. I have been on a campus before. I've spoken at education conferences there. It's a, it's a beautiful campus, a beautiful stadium, and the team is very talented. You know, their they're probably most famous recent alumni would be Ben DiNucci, who, is, mm-hmm. or who was the backup quarterback, played a little bit for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, JMU's a very talented squad. I expect to see them go 5-0 and after crushing Arkansas State. Yep. Last game here, as we mentioned, Coastal Carolina. They're a two-touchdown favorite at University of Louisiana, Monroe. Last year was the first time Coastal Carolina actually beat UL Monroe. They were 0-3 before that. Phil, who you got? Yeah, I mean, UL Monroe, they, uh, they're they a team that has been rising since they entered into FBS land. I mean, remember, Caleb, the good old NCAA football games you would play, you'd schedule UL Monroe so that you could score like triple digits and get like 100 plus. They aren't that team anymore, but they still aren't good in this case. And, and so I like Coastal Carolina in this one. Caleb, who you got? Yeah, Coastal Carolina, they were one of the darling teams of 2020, I believe. Grayson McCall was great. Then they kind of struggled a little bit last year, but it seems like Grayson McCall and this team is back on track a little bit. I'll take Coastal Carolina to get to stay undefeated on the season. Nice. And, folks, we would love to talk about the Penn State game, but as you know, they are heading into their bye week as they get ready for Michigan. So let me take this as an opportunity to thank you all for listening to the podcast. Caleb, it's a miracle. The new service held up the entire podcast. Woo-hoo. This is, this is, this is going to save me so much time later. Um, but, folks, as you are listening in, if you haven't already, please take a moment to consider subscribing to the podcast. That way you know anytime new episodes are dropping. And if you have a moment to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, we would love it. It's an easy way to help us uh, spread the message of college football, plus it helps our self-esteem a little bit too. And if you want to connect with us, please feel free to find us on Twitter at CPFB Podcast. Caleb, any final words of wisdom before we sign off? Enjoy the bye week. We are.